fade in. You're listening to Let's Bogart. Please welcome your host, Daniel Williston. It's me, it's just me. Welcome, buds! You're listening to Let's Bogart, the recreational review podcast where we rate hits by fading out before we fade in. So, whether you're here for the plot or the pot, we'll roll camera and roll joints and curate a pairing experience both celluloid and cannabinoid in nature. Oh, buds! I am so excited about this episode. Uh, this is, it, it, it's been a really crazy time, and uh, this is our final episode of season one. We've gotten to talk to so many different people in the entertainment industry, and in the cannabis industry, and we have even more conversations coming up in season two, but for right now, uh, the show is going to go on a little tolerance break. So I am so excited to end off this current season with this episode, because it is a triple Bogart. Let me explain. Our first guest on the entire series, Michelle Schuster, who's a good friend of mine and is now uh, ASM of the Superette in Summerhill in Toronto. Um, she pointed out to me that I've never once <laughs> on the show explained uh, what the name means. So I guess uh, the end of season one is as good a time as any. Uh, obviously, Bogart is both uh, the surname of Humphrey Bogart, who was a uh, uh, an actor of the silver screen, uh, one of the creators of the film noir movement, and uh, a, a really great actor that I admire. And also, Bogart... To bogart something is uh, is to hold, uh, um, usually a joint is going around a circle, and if you hold on to it and take more than your puff puff pass, which is a- another rule, I'm sure people listening to this already know this, but puff puff pass, you're supposed to take two hits off the joint and then pass it to your left, pass the duchy on the left hand side. Bogarting means you sit, take three hits, you take four hits, you take five hits, you just sit there holding on to the, the joint and not letting it go around the circle. That's being, that's bogarting in so, uh, some of the same way that Bogart always had a cigarette in his hand while he was acting. <laughs> he, he smokes a lot on screen. So I guess it has something to do with that. I don't actually know what the etymology is. Maybe I should have looked that up before doing this intro. Oh, well, I'll bring it in for season two. Either way, Let's Bogart is the name of the podcast. The idea is is that me and a guest get to hold on to an entire joint ourselves and and just get to talk the two of us. So we are holding holding on to the conversation, holding on to the the the, the chatting, holding on to the strain. And we get to say what we think about it without a lot of input from other people. There's been some group bogarts, but the main idea was, yeah, that two people would get to uh, just get together and talk about strains. And oh boy, we got to do some cool things today. Because I'll tell you what, the, uh, uh, the, uh, oh my God, a balloon just like flew over my building. That's so weird. It was just like a balloon. Just, it like descended. It looked like it had like a hot air, hot air, like, like a, like a basket, but for like a mouse. Yeah. You're lying. No, I'm not lying. I just oh, saw it. Hot air yeah. And I missed it. Yeah. I didn't see a mouse, but it looked like the size for a mouse. Who knows? I'm sure it's a mouse. 
the Great Mouseketeer. Anyway, so uh, the movie we got to do was Casablanca. I have been so excited about doing this. It's a film noir war drama movie. It was released in 1942. It's an hour and 42 minutes long. It's rated G in Canada. It's rated PG by the MPAA. It's got a 99% Rotten Tomatoes rating and a 100% rating on Metacritic. Unheard of. Uh, because it's a really good movie. I'm going to tell you right now. Spoiler alert. I liked it. <laughs> um, so, listen. So, the, the, the podcast is called Let's Bogart. We are doing Casablanca starring Humphrey Bogart. And the strain that we're going to do <laughs> is from a new edible LP called Bogart's Kitchen. Bogart's Kitchen is under the uh, uh, Alethea... Um, Aletheia Health Incorporated uh, for uh, for the medical side. Um, and for the recreational side, it's on Sunday markets. So they do Divi, they do Bogart's Kitchen, uh, uh, and a bunch of other really great brands. Um, and so we got to talk to somebody who actually works for Bogart's Kitchen. So it's, it's just, it's so perfect to have all of this together. And I couldn't be more excited about the conversation. So you know what? Without further ado, let's get into it. I am stoked. So Daniel, for the last time this season, can you tell us a little bit about uh, who we have on the pod today? Oh no, I screwed it up. Hold on. <laughs> Daniel, for the last time this season, can you tell us a little bit about the person who we're going to be having a conversation with today? All right, so my next guest has an advanced diploma in musical theater performance from Sheridan College, uh, graduating and becoming a member of their faculty almost immediately. She dedicated herself to helping new graduates finding opportunities in the industry by founding Real World Productions. Later at David's Tea, she worked her way up for the ranks to become the district brand manager. She later helped launch Sage Natural Wellness Stores and became their national training manager. She continued on the road of retail trainer over at Tokyo Smoke, later moving to Superette as their director of customer experience. She now works as director of marketing at Sunday Market, which umbrellas over cannabis brands Symbol, Kinslips, Divi, Nithin Grand, and my absolute favorite for obvious reasons... Bogart's Kitchen, which has launched in the medicinal edible market and available to recreational consumers in some provinces and coming soon to Ontario. This is the person you want helping you launch your brand. We're so happy to welcome onto the show today, Trisha Lackey. Trish, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. What a weird winding road when you put my life into that like minute of talking. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. You know what it shows? It shows you have a, a diversity of skills to uh, that make you uh, uh, indelible in any industry that you work in. <laughs> Adaptable. That's I right. Think that's like, ability to pivot maybe yeah well and isn't that uh you know for a new industry like cannabis and for an old industry like musical theater i mean it, it helps no matter where you are totally i think yeah the musical theater stuff has always helped me through retail because there are so many situations where you just kind of have to put on a happy face and just keep going <laughs> yes and when you're entering new markets and training people and kind of have to wing a lot of things because training materials in startup companies are always like work in progress. <laughs> you just really thank your improv teachers from way back. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And yes. And eh? yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. We're going to learn that together. <laughs> so when you're, you're coming onto a company, are you 
What is there a specific thing that you're looking for that you're like where uh, how do I uh, uh, take this thing and bring it to the next level? Is there is there something specific that you're looking for that kind of goes across industries or is it yeah, different it's every time? Usually, it's usually people, to be totally honest. And the the team that I meet when I'm um, interviewing or if I'm if somebody is a friend that's bringing trying to bring me into a business, that always speaks a lot to me because I want to go somewhere where I really love the people and I love going to work. I think that's an important atmosphere to create, especially in a retail company. Yeah. So when you can go to work and the founders are in the trenches with people rolling up their sleeves and doing things, that to me is like the great sign of a startup. Yeah, that's it means they're excited about it. So it's easy to get excited about it. I think that yeah. that's yeah, you you find people who are, are passionate about what they're doing and then sort of uh, either follow or start leading, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and people that have, um, openness to ideas and, and want to, to feed off of each other and, and collaborate and find, uh, unique ways to do things. I think it's, it's been kind of a pattern in, in companies that I've worked with that are growing really fast. Mm -hmm. It's that people, people are just have to say yes, because you have to fail fast. And, and a lot of failing fast comes with saying yes. And then discovering that, okay, maybe I shouldn't have said yes to that. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Backtrack a little bit, try a different yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. But being able to say, okay, let's try it because we don't know what else. Mm -hmm. So let's try that um, is a really exciting thing to be a part of. And, and um, companies that have that potential are really cool to, to join it at floor one. <laughs> And was that potential the thing that that uh, attracted you to the cannabis industry when you were first thinking about getting into it? It's actually funny because I did not have the cannabis industry that much on my radar. Mm -hmm. uh, I had just come back from teaching in Taiwan, teaching musical oh theater to God. kids from four years old to 54 years old. Oh. <laughs> and um, a friend of mine who had actually worked with me at David's Tea at head office was interviewing with Tokyo Smoke and the role that they were describing to her, she said, you know what, this kind of doesn't really sound like me, but I think I know somebody that it might be right for. Hey. And that, and then kind of happened really, really fast after that. That's amazing. What, yeah. what was teaching in Taiwan like? Really, really incredibly unique because it is very Americanized in, in Taipei. Mm -hmm. So there's lots and lots of English speaking or not. So they're either really fluent in English. And I had classrooms of kids that it was like 50% of each where they're not really speaking English or they're going to an American school and totally up on everything. But the other thing that's really interesting is they wanted to be told exactly how to do things right where I'm so, I was so used to as Sheridan being able to ask questions and pull things out of people and not have to give the answers yeah. just to kind of guide people towards the answers that that was a really strange switch. <laughs> That's not, it, it sounds pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Did they, did uh, the, the, the English speaking, um, uh, folks in Taiwan, did they have the same uh, like, did they have a knowledge of the same musical theater canon that you had when you were going over there or a little bit like farther back? Sure. So they were super into Wicked and Thoroughly Modern Millie when I was there. And oh, that okay. was like 2018. Sure. Uh, 2017. Mm -hmm. So it was like 
they got it. They knew they wanted Broadway in their life, mm-hmm. but they didn't have all of the access to it. Sure. Is there is there a big industry over in Taiwan for uh, music theater that is being created by them? There is starting to be more in China, which is why it's starting to get a buzz in Taiwan because it's so closely related. And and whatever is going on in mainland, they're kind of like, what's it? What's happening over there? Yeah, <laughs> we want that. <laughs> Let's do some of that. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Uh, can do you what? What do you remember about the first time you ever tried cannabis? So the first time I really remember trying cannabis, because it was around me in high school, but it was not my thing. And where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up just outside of Ottawa in Canada, Ontario. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So I'm a national capital region kind of (laughs) gal. And I was heavy into figure skating and musical theater and working to to pay for those as well, or help pay for those. My parents were amazing. Yeah, yeah. But um but yeah, it was not on my radar because I was so hardcore athlete that I, mm-hmm. I thought it was a, the bad thing. I also <laughs> was in Catholic high school, so I extra thought it was oh, the bad yeah, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a sin too but then. my brother was born on 420, and ah. let me tell you, he's a natural. <laughs> and in 2007, the Ottawa Senators went to the Stanley Cup final, and I got high with my brother hey. at Game 3. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you can always get somebody to cross that bridge, eh? During a celebration. 100%. 100%. It was the only game they won in the Stanley Cup final. But my brother and I smoked a joint out of the parking lot. I love that. That's amazing. Do you remember what it was? Absolutely not. No idea. The first time I remember being conscious of having a choice uh-huh. of, of weed was like not until I moved to San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And what, what, uh, how much time do you spend in San Francisco? About two years total. Oh, I, I came, I went for a while and then came back for a few months and then went for just over a year and a half with David's tea. Nice. So that's where I was um, doing brand work for them, where I really got my first taste of what marketing roles were like yeah. within uh, retail. So got to do all sorts of cool partnerships with, with people like the San Francisco Giants and the 49ers that like I never would have thought would ever cross my, my path <laughs> in my musical theater life, <laughs> like four years before that. <laughs> Do you, uh, is there, is, uh, what would you say is the biggest difference between marketing to a, 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 a U.S. Um, uh, population versus a Canadian population? Well, it was interesting with David's tea and with Sage when I was down in the States, you, you have to pay so much attention to the FDA and the FDA is so different than, um, health Canada. And so a lot of the words that we would use with, with products like Sage, you couldn't say it was a headache remedy down in the States. You had to say like, it was a soothing balm for the head. (laughs) So you had to really change your language and and talk in kind of cosmetics language rather than health benefits and wellness benefits. Um, So that was really different. And also I worked for two Canadian companies that were really making a name for themselves in Canada, Mm -hmm. but nobody knew them in the States. So it was really, really difficult to try and make a name for yourself as a company that really was in kind of a genuine startup phase. So there's not endless money to spend on marketing. So a lot of it is very guerrilla style, talking to influencers, walking them through stores and Mm -hmm. um, just kind of getting them excited enough to share organically. Yeah. Which is, I, I assume, what what 
being from the musical theater world and being someone who's probably taken improv classes and stuff like that, that is maybe where you get to shine because of the, the one-on-one of that and the personal connection. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Because you ask a lot of questions and you, you ask about what their personal tastes are and what they're looking for in both tea and essential oils. It was like that. And the more you ask people about themselves and are genuinely interested in them and their answers, um, people love that. <laughs> That's what people want in health and um, like come, come help yourself to wellness products or uh personal ritual moments like David's tea stuff. Sure. Somebody to be listening to you to actually take in and tailor it exactly to you. Yeah. You don't like these five teas that I showed you. Great. I will show you 30 more. Yeah. yeah, No problem. No skin off my back. We'll find one for you. Yeah. We'll find the perfect one. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And so now you're, you're working uh, uh, and you're, you're bringing these new, brands to life right now uh uh, and bogart's kitchen where is bogart's kitchen available right now in the on the recreational market currently only in alberta alberta yeah yeah and then um we're hoping to see it in ontario within the next few months we have you know ontario has product calls every couple of months so we'll we'll keep trying to get uh, people listed or products listed within Ontario soon. We've got another couple that are coming down the line that I, I hope the Ontario cannabis store will take. Oh, they're, amazing. they're really cool. I can't wait. I can't wait to be able to sell it to people. It's a, it's, it's a really exciting brand and we got to try a couple for, uh, yeah, uh, for yeah I got some scent here. Yeah. So did you, did you try both or just one of the kinds? I tried both and okay. uh, I liked both of them. I thought they tasted amazing The we, we tried the, uh, uh the strawberry lemonade, which is their sativa um and then the peach mango which is the indica a little bit earthier right yeah a little bit earthier a little more uh uh uh, like meat on the bones in terms of taste like i found the strawberry lemonade was very like summery and airy and kind of like a white wine in the in the park totally and then uh yeah to have the 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 heaviness of the peach and the the mango sweetness to it i thought i i enjoyed that a lot Amazing. Did you take one of each before watching the movie or did you just do like... I took uh, both of both before watching. Yeah, I love you. Okay, so I did similarly, but I shouldn't have because I should know myself better by now. Like, I don't... Edibles are either nothing or everything for my body. So I'll take like 10 milligrams and be like, eh, not really feel a high. Or I took three gummies... Uh And spent the first 20 minutes of the movie like, you have to focus because a lot of exposition is happening right now. And you haven't seen this movie before. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Was so- very tuned in. <laughs> Yeah, I I am a really like I'm a big guy. So when I take edibles, I'm used to taking like I, I have to take a few more than everyone else does to be able to get the same effect. But this time, right before I took these, I had been reading uh, a, a mutual friend of ours and friend of the show, Michelle Schuster, was telling me about uh, this article that had come out that talked about um, people's uh, stomach acidity sometimes burning off some of the THC that is in an edible. So if you're taking 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams, you're not feeling anything and you're like, oh, I really have to take a lot. It might Uh not be that your tolerance is so high. It might be that your stomach acidity is running. Current circumstances of your gut. So if you pop a Tums before, 
you can actually counteract that and then have a, an incredible experience. And a I'll tell you what, I have never okay. felt anything on 20 milligrams before in my entire life. I took a Tums before I did it and I had a great time. So oh, fantastic. my life has completely changed. Oh, good. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> Please hear that Ontario cannabis story. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really was. It was a, it was, it, it was a great time. It, and separating it into the two gummies, having five milligrams, you can really control how much you're mm-hmm. going, uh, you're going to be taking, uh, yeah, it's just, it's fun. It's a real, real fun time. I, I enjoy both of these. Are you an edibles kind of guy? Because I'm not normally. So I started in edibles. When I started okay. going, to, I, I went to St. Lawrence College for music theater. Amazing. And everyone's a singer there. So everyone wants to smoke weed, but no one wants to actually smoke because they want to be able to sing at master class on Monday. Yeah. So I started learning how to make oil to make edibles for parties. But... I'm also getting like ditch weed from wherever is available in Brockville. I don't know what I'm doing in terms of temperatures. I'm going on other people's stoves and just trying stuff. This, oh, mad yeah. scientist the whole time. So there were times that I just like laid people out with their brownies. They would take one and be like, ah, it's not happening. I'll be like, I'll take another one. And then they would just be knocked out. Yeah. So I've been doing it for a while. I'm getting, I'm getting better at making them, but I, I do like a good edible now and again. It's just harder control like it, it's yeah. it takes a long time to for the full effects to be yeah. uh, taken and like you said you can either go take one nothing and nothing happens yeah. and your, your night is like oh okay or yeah. you take one and you're like oh this is this is too much and then what do you do you're like crack peppercorns and look it up like <laughs> what else do you do my collab cbd yes yeah, like, on the side of my bed <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I would say I'm an edible guy, but have been because I, I'm I've been waiting for the the 10 milligram cap to be sort of lifted because I thought my tolerance was really high, but now I've got this whole tums thing with stomach acidity. So. Thanks, shoe. Yeah, always. Shoe's always queen. got all the all the, what a queen. the skinny on everything. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a fun time. I I yeah, I really enjoyed them. What what else what else are you really excited about? Is there anything else that's coming onto the Ontario market right now? Yeah, yeah, we just did a bunch of shipping this week to the Ontario Canvas store for the next um kind of installment of new products. So we've got Divi products, uh-huh. our kind of everyday brand. Mm-hmm. Um we have 12 packs of pre-rolls coming out in a our sour kush, Ooh. which I I know people love already, and a balanced strain black widow. Hey. And a 12-pack of CBD Nebula as well. Holy shit. That yeah. sounds exciting. Yeah. And they're going to retail for, they should retail for around 25, 27. So. Oh, man. That's a an nice easy 12-pack. Yeah. Everybody's coming in looking for CBD strains right now. Fantastic. It's so I know. good. I love, I love having a CBD strain throughout the day when you can just kind of like microdose CBD with a yeah. couple of puffs out the balcony. And yeah, it's beautiful. Just, real nice and mellow you're still like clear-headed and still do your work you can still have conversations with people you can get your stuff done yep. but also be able to not not give in to the the gremlins of stress that want to take over <laughs> in these days totally. of business and access different cannabinoids i feel like cbd strains don't get enough love and mm-hmm. i know that we are all kind of chasing that 20 plus thc ghost yeah. all the time but the CBD is a totally different experience. And I love it. 
Yeah. yeah, there's something about balance, right? You you wanna you wanna find the way to to get everything you can out of this like beautiful magical plant is to yeah. to sort of find all of the nooks and crannies that it has to offer. Totally. Uh, hearing about like uh, 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 CBG strains and edibles and stuff coming out now, and mm-hmm. people are starting to to look into what's going on there and. And a, and a return to the focus on CBN too. I remember when mm. Soleil had their CBN oil and people were really excited about it. And then it kind of just like petered, petered off. Up. Yeah. Wow. And now CBN is kind of coming back into the forefront again, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, and having CBD become a little bit more popular, like I'm seeing more and more people who have never experimented with it and never been mm-hmm. interested in it are being told by their nieces, nephews, like yeah. brothers. I just got some tea from the love of my life. So, oh, nice. Thank you, baby. And uh, yeah, so uh, it's 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 going to be nice to be able to have more options, more more options. Yeah. Get the tea that uh, that is exactly right for you, right? Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. And that's kind of the the beauty of what everybody's doing out there right now is everybody's chasing original products and innovative products because you know it's been it's been pretty clear in the past little while that the same old same old doesn't do mm-hmm. and if you are just churning out the same thing at the exact same to the decimal point um thc like that also is not interesting to people yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's there's something to be said of consistency of supply but the the batches changing and and people really celebrating how different each lot is and and how agriculture the product really is mm-hmm. that's getting more interesting well, and it's it's teaching people that in in a in an economy like this that is run by capitalism, the the best product that people think they want to get is the McDonald's hamburger because it's going to be the exact same every time. Yeah. But there's no nutritional value in that. There's no variance. There's no love or originality that's put into the making of it. Like it's all tr- it's trying to. Uh, uh, stomp down any uh uh, humanity that's still a part of it and totally yeah and even even the mix within the the terpenes to the cannabinoid content that balance and the moisture and all of that if you have the exact same thing coming out every single time yeah even the nuance of that voice of the plant is not coming out and you're you're gonna get your body's gonna get used to the same thing same thing that's right so yeah it's really really cool to be among people that want to innovate yeah and create that cutting edge of uh of nuance in in the use of i i like that word as a as a way of looking at what what strains and what methods of consumption you're using and what ways you're engaging with your own endocannabinoid system like there there is nuance in the in the plant and in the living thing that you're using so shouldn't there also be in the way that we use it ourselves yeah. What's your most like most consumed format? Is it joints? Is it pipe bong? Uh, vape. Vape. It, it's okay. so much easier to. I've got a volcano here, so okay. I and I find that I get the a really pure taste from it too. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have the 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 fire, or the butane, or having to worry about any of that. I love a good joint. I love a good bong, but especially in the winter time, stepping outside onto the. Yeah. Uh, onto the balcony is less appealing. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, my format of preference is yeah. joint, okay. but 
my balcony, the balcony sesh becomes very like, okay, gotta finish this, gotta finish this, yeah. rather than like Enjoying at least it. in the summer. Yeah, you get to sit outside and luxuriate on the balcony. But yeah, it's it's not as lovely yeah. to do it in the winter. I get that. I get that. Amazing. Well, this brings us to the end of our first segment, which means it's time for our first game. Are you ready? Oh my for god, this? amazing. Yeah. This is a little game called uh uh In It to Minute. In it to minute. This is the game where you, Trish, having seen the movie that we chose for this, which is Casablanca. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to describe the events that took place in Casablanca in 60 seconds. So we are looking for a beginning, a middle and an end. I know this is the worst thing to do to any stoner in the entire world is make them have to do this, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So are you ready? Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh my God, I'm so terrified. You're going to be great. 60 seconds on the clock and Trishaki, go! Okay, so in the beginning, we find out that there are some German documents that are of great importance to many people. And also this guy, Rick, who owns this really cool kind of casino bar in Casablanca, who's very curmudgeon and very upset. And we kind of get a feeling that it was a, a woman thing, but you don't really understand why. And then we see um, the, the reason why she comes it back into his life and she is actually trying to escape Casablanca by getting a visa to get to, over to America. He's still mad at her for leaving him in Paris all alone. And then really what it turns out is that her seconds. husband that she had already had been married to was taken to a concentration camp. She thought he was dead. They fell in love. He came back into her life. She had to leave Humphrey Bogart. And then... He helps them escape. Oh, that's amazing. You got five seconds. Anything else you want to say? The twist ending, Deus Ex Machina, very ha happened very fast. Yeah. <laughs> 60 seconds time. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Well, listen, we don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back right here with Trish Lackey talking about what we hey, thought buds, about thanks Casablanca for tuning in right today. here on Let's Bogart. Uh, just Stay interrupting here. the conversation for a quick second to tell you a little bit about something that we here at Let's Bogart think is worth paying attention to. And that is a campaign from Flower. Flower is a BC LP that runs out of uh, grows and runs out of Kelowna, BC. Uh, they have a campaign right now with Pardons Canada. Flower, in partnership with Pardons Canada, is continuing its mission to help reduce the stigma around cannabis use. And as part of this, they're calling on the Canadian government to expunge Canadians carrying criminal records for non-violent cannabis convictions that are now legal under current laws. They're asking influencers, licensed producers, and all Canadians to help them reach 20,000 signatures so that they can create real change. They point out that when New York legalized cannabis use in March 2021, they immediately expunged the criminal records of people previously convicted of crimes now legal under their new laws. This is something that two years later, Canada has yet to do, resulting in over 50,000 Canadians carrying criminal records for nonviolent minor cannabis convictions. So it's been over two years since cannabis was legalized in Canada, and yet they're still battling stigmas and preconceptions. Worse still is the fact that there are hundreds of Canadians who are unable to live their lives to the fullest due to nonviolent minor cannabis convictions that remain on their records. So this affects many parts of their lives, from being unable to travel to the States, to renting a home, and getting a job. Flower. 
would not exist without Pardons Canada, as some of their early employees went through this process in order to help build their business. If you feel as passionate as they do that records should be expunged, raise your voice by signing their petition. For those seeking pardons in the interim, please visit Pardons Canada. You can read their open letter calling on all Canadians and Justin Bieber for support. You can visit them at Flower Canada, F-L-O-W-R-C-A-N-A-D-A. Or you can uh, see it all on hashtag Flower Pardons or on their website, www.flower.ca. That's F-L-O-W-R dot C-A. This is a pretty big one. We want to make sure that everyone has access so that it's uh, uh, it's a fair game for everyone. We're all getting to enjoy this uh, beautiful, wonderful plant. And just because some people enjoyed it before the rest of the world caught up on prohibition being a stupid idea, uh, shouldn't mean that their lives are impacted like this. So get on it, get to their website, get to their Instagram at Flower Canada, uh, and check it out on their link tree. I'll also have links up at the Let's Bogart page, and uh, uh, if you need any help getting there, just send me a message. I'd love to help you get there so that you can sign your name on it, and we can get up to that 20,000 signatures that they're looking for. Canada has been such a leader in in cannabis legalization, so let's get on it this one other way. Let's make sure that cannabis is being used fairly across our country today. All right, we're back. (laughs) (laughs) So you hadn't seen Casablanca before this, right? No, I'm really, really ashamed to say it. Oh. And and what the hell took me so long? <laughs> I'm 40 years old and I've never seen this incredible movie that is at the top of so many lists, screenplay, every line that came out. I was like, oh my God, I've been saying these lines all my life. <laughs> also, I was obsessed with Kurt Browning who did a program at the Olympics in 94 to this score. Why didn't I watch it back then? You were busy watching Kurt Browning. That's true. I'll tell you, I told you this when you talked about it with me, but I I couldn't have cared less about Gene Kelly and Singing in the Rain when I was growing up. But Kurt Browning did that bit where he did the Singing in the Rain, and it was astounding. I wore out the VHS tape that my parents had taped it on. He was the most charismatic skater, and it was so easy for theater people to fall in love with Kurt Browning because he was so theatrical, and that really hadn't been done, especially on, like, a charming level like figure skaters got the drama a lot before that but like from a sense of humor nobody did it like Kurt yeah and those are some some big footsteps to follow in Gene Kelly and and, and Humphrey Bogart and Humphrey Bogart yeah Yeah. no kidding (laughs) but yeah he was able to do it yeah what a guy so the movie the movie You, you did you now uh 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 you, you, so you were experiencing the, the lines of the, the dialogue. You were realizing there's so many cultural touchstones that appear in this movie. It's on mm-hmm. so many lists. Um, di- did it, how did it feel with the edible? Like, did that, did that uh, uh, create anything that you, you liked or didn't like or, or brought things to the front? Or Yeah, it's, I tried really hard to be kind of purist about it, even though you kind, you know, the ending of Casablanca, even if you haven't seen it. So I already kind of knew that it wasn't going to end romantically the way I wanted it to. (laughs) 
but at the beginning, the edible, like I said, had really kicked in. So I was like, oh my gosh, there's a lot more happening that I didn't know that I was going to have to really retain yeah. while I'm, while I'm kind of in the peak of an edible high that I also didn't plan very well. <laughs> um, so once I kind of got through the first few scenes, then I started to mellow into it. And then when Ingrid Bergman comes in, I was like, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. I'm here for the ride. Yeah. And just like, I actually found the high relaxed me into that. And I was just so happy to watch them together. <laughs> yeah, it's there is a lot of exposition in this especially off in the first act it's a lot of setup to to get you through the places that you need to go um yeah. and there's not like any fat on the screenplay every single line of dialogue is either revealing Meaningful. like important yeah. plot or an important character trait or a relationship like every yeah. every single line yeah yeah absolutely i really found that in the beginning and that's like it really stressed me out with a high <laughs> so i was like i'm gonna need to remember this guy's name i feel like he's gonna come back <laughs> but i'll tell you what i mean in in uh 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 French Morocco at the time that has uh, both allies and Nazis mm -hmm. in, in equal measure, all having to live under the same umbrella that totally. I, I mean, that that kind of stress. The only one who seems to not be stressed is Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> truly, truly. Yeah, it was such a what an interesting energy to have. And I love that scene where um, Laszlo gets the, the French to sing La Marseillaise over the German soldiers. It's yeah. so powerful and very like, it, it's a really cool middle part of the movie where you kind of see and kind of go, okay, this guy's pretty good guy too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if she ends up with him, it's okay. <laughs> but it was really cool reading the, the, the movie Casablanca itself is super interesting but the the making of it is also like the stories behind it were really crazy one of the things that i read was um in that scene originally in because it's based on this play everyone comes to rick's um but in the in the play they actually sang the nazi anthem Oof. and and then had la marseille come in over top of that, top of that. but okay. what they realized is because they are releasing this movie internationally if they had done the actual nazi anthem even though obviously they're only playing to the allies there this is an obviously anti-nazi film they were they could have been put in the position where they could be sued by the national socialist party of germany so they had to change it so now instead it's this other it's uh, a german song like german folk song yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that they yeah. didn't have to worry about that but what a crazy thing to be like we're making this like fuck you nazis but also like we don't oh, want to be sued by the nazis yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah and it's it's also really interesting that i had no idea how close it was like in the timing of the making of this movie and what what a political statement holy cow yeah in 1942 like that that's right yeah. before shit went down in america like it yeah people are are starting to to get on board and to do it in this way where like we're following as our protagonist is Rick and yeah. he seemed like he, like he did seem to have done some fighting, but he, they said he was gun runner for both sides kind of thing. Like he's a capitalist yeah. Yeah, and totally. he's, he's still a capitalist running this club that caters to both. Right. 
Uh, but then to see if that's where America was at the time, to see a character in that kind of, well, it doesn't, as long as we're making money, who cares about politics and yeah. see him take this journey that, that yeah. he goes on is really kind of insidious or like uh, uh, getting under the skin of the American populace who is going to see this movie. I wonder if anybody made any comparisons to the kind of exploration of capitalism during World War II to the Schindler's List. Like sure. it's very, very similar kind of protagonist, right? Where you, I mean, very different in that it, it feels a lot more conflicted with Oscar Schindler, but, but a really interesting also really acclaimed movie that explores kind of that similar capitalist during this time. Yeah. And I guess like they, in, in Schindler's list, it's him, uh, uh that they're obviously trying to, uh, show the horrors of what the, the Nazi Germany was doing at the time. Whereas this doesn't really, we don't really see the bad that Nazis do because they're in Morocco, because they are powerless to enact their you know, uh, tyranny yeah. there. We're seeing more that we're talking about the idea of Nazism rather than seeing how it is. I, I mean, they have this stuff about him being in the concentration camp and. Yeah, but, but you're right. It, it does have a very different atmosphere when the people feel like they can still sing La Marseillaise yeah, yeah, yeah. and like get away with it rather than the very different tone of clear oppression yeah 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 <laughs> that you're literally fighting against because yeah. there's people right here who are suffering yeah. because of it yeah but to see the political landscape uh uh you, you get a better i think you you understand better what the uh, how easy it might be to not stand up to the nazis like it's it, obviously they're totally. evil and stuff but we all have stuff we gotta do like totally Rick's friends with the guy who who gets uh, who gets uh, uh, taken away, ripped away, screaming after him totally. at that beginning, and it's just awful. Yeah. yeah, it's it's still tracks, right? Yes, it does. Oof. <laughs> Have you seen any other uh, Bogart movies? No, this is I the haven't. first one. This is my first one. Wait. Yeah. I love it. He he work he gets to work with uh the 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 guy who did the lighting on this um is uh let me find him. His name is Arthur Edison and he is the guy who does the lighting for the Maltese Falcon which okay. is the first kind of uh Bogart uh uh, uh a film noir classic uh and creating that shadows and and having shadows play on faces and uh <sighs> really really come together in this bogart looks so good in this kind of lighting oh yeah i mean not having seen him in anything else this was so moody and so brooding yeah. it was like perfectly lit to like feel like movement and things are happening all around him yeah. and there's like flashes of bright but yeah it's so he's just like sitting in sh in cool shadows yeah which also means that they can use spaces because they uh, Rick's uh, place is the only set that they built for mm -hmm. it. Everything else was recycled sets from old films that they had just like kind of threw a couple of things on. But if you light it really low, that doesn't really matter. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the magic of just using whatever is available to you. So cool. 
right? That, like it's, that end scene where they're where they're talking yeah. and the plane is in the background. That's like a miniature plane, and they have kids dressed up as adults who are like getting the Jeez. boarding stuff ready, so it looks like it's further away. So cool! Isn't that cool? Movie magic, man. Uh, movie magic, and really like working within your like within the limitations of whatever you have yeah. and are able to do, and then you make beautiful masterpieces beautiful like that. Art. God. So Ilsa comes in and she, uh, she, that, that scene of her walking in and hearing that it's Rick's place, seeing that play on her, but she can't let hubby know. Him know. And then uh, walking past Sam and Sam, like he, oh God, he's so good. Dooley Wilson. Heartbreaker. Heartbreaker. And he sells that, like the, the temperature has completely changed. Yeah. And he's just devastated knowing exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, his heart. And for that to happen too, like, it's so, it's the, the structure and the, the uh, building of this story is so cool because we've already seen the Nazis come in and drag a man screaming outside and Rick being like, don't worry about it. Everyone, the setting, uh, taking just the spilled, spilled yeah. cup and setting it upright again and being like, don't worry about everyone on the house. And, Let's play a song. All right. And everyone is fine with it. Everyone can that they can stand. But the fact that Wilson is selling that this one woman walking into this room is the biggest thing to have happened here tonight is so so cool. And then when she just kind of makes it happen that that they they get together just so she can talk to him and you still kind of know and still she's so subtle it's so cool oh and especially because you don't you don't really like watching it again i was really trying to be like okay like i i can follow uh rick's arc in this i think like i i get that he's like he says at the end that like if if you haven't seen the movie, you, they 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 had a relationship. They came away from the relationship because she left a note saying, uh, "You go on ahead without me. I'm never going to see you again." And then she comes back into his life saying, "This is the guy who I'm in love with." Uh, but then says to him afterwards, "We need these letters. Give us these uh, uh, letters of transit that you have so that we can escape." He says no, and then she says, "Okay, just give it to him. I'll stay with you." And it seems and he to knows be right away. You can see it in his face. Yeah. Oh. oh, he wants so badly to just allow the lie to be there. Yeah. But he he knows he can't trust he's like, her. She's doing this for him. But she's oh. playing it so well. That so I well. Think, I yeah. think you you can read into it that either she's deciding, OK, if if at the very least I can allow him to get away, I'll stay with Rick. Mm-hmm. But it could also be that she actually does love Rick and that be seeing him again, she's she it, she seems so smart that maybe that's not the thing. But they also had something really fiery in in Paris. And yeah, yeah. And maybe she is thinking like, OK, well, I then I can I can save him and I can have this. But it doesn't I don't know. She she just worships Laszlo so much. And I think his action yeah. and and taking action and and Rick's lack of action. And yeah. Because I she believes she in the just, cause. Totally. But totally. She, the other thing is she never actually says, Laszlo says a bunch of times to her that he loves her. 
She never once says it to him. She says to Rick, I love him. Yeah. So I do wonder if there's, if there's something in, I, th- I think that there's, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a better read that she's willing to sacrifice and mm-hmm. be with this guy who she truly doesn't love because it will further the cause. And that's the, the role that she can play as a soldier. Uh, well, I think she still loves him, but I think like, I think you can love two people Sure, and, and maybe it's, it was like a, I love this guy so much and I love this guy. So if this is the ultimate sacrifice, I can still be happy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And not, not necessarily a powerful dramatic choice. No, but. no, <laughs> but Rick's is Rick is Rick Rick's could is. have Rick's what is. he, what he wants. And, uh, uh, but he doesn't want it under those circumstances yeah. or he, he realizes that her, her love of the cause or her, his love for her is pure enough that even though everything else about him is cynical and he's trying to be cynical, he's actively pursuing cynicism as a, <laughs> as a way of life. Even then he's, he still loves her purely enough that he realizes she has to, she has to go with last love. I love that he's actively pursuing a cynical life, except for that song. Can we talk about that song? Oh, it's so whole oh, music in this because we already talked about the oh, Love Marseille. Okay. The, yeah. the, using music dramatically in this yeah. movie is so smart. Yeah, so smart and, and um, thematically using that song in oh. different moods. It's so so well done, and I think it's interesting because when the overture started. I realized how much I already knew the music because of Kurt Browning sure. and, and then realized how much I was going to enjoy it more knowing the score better than I knew the movie or the plot. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and because music is such a huge part of things for me, I mean, probably for you too, with Absolutely. musical theater background, totally. the score of something like this, making you feel already familiar is like, what a what a gift holy cow and even the score being famous and the the script yeah and you talked about too using using the music uh uh uh, thematically like the max steiner the composer the the stuff that he does with la marseille within the the score too Mm -hmm. like playing it in a minor Mm -hmm. key playing it lightly jumping back and forth using this one uh touchstone that we are going to hear later when we hear the 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 crowd break into it to drown out the germans yeah like just especially because paris has so much and france has so much pleasure and pain for both of them it's such an interesting use of that too when you yeah my fiance pointed out that it's there uh it's a song about revolution yeah. So to have that yeah. be the the rallying cry of this new revolution against the Germans uh, is so is so exciting. And yeah, the the using dramatically too the song uh, um, uh, that they have the, uh, using it when he she first asks Sam to play it and Sam sells like you really do not want me playing this song and she demands it so he plays it and then sing it no don't just play it sing it and Rick comes in and immediately when he recognizes the song like comes straight over to him i told you never to and then has that moment but then later when he and then rick has him play it like play it uh, play it again yeah. sam misquote yeah. <laughs> <Thank you>. yeah 
If she can stand it, I if can stand it. If she can stand it, I can stand it. Oh. But then my favorite use of it is later on when Laszlo and her come back because they realize that he does have the letters of transit and he sits them down and it's like, oh, and we'll get uh, we'll get Sam to play that. That's your favorite song, right? Yeah. And then Sam kind of it plays it totally differently and it's yeah. very like upbeat. Yeah, da, 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 da. Like, yeah. So yeah. like cold and, and, yeah. and uh, petty. It's such a petty yeah. thing. To do. Truly, but also you kind of think, did Sam do it a little bit more joyfully so that she wouldn't suffer as much? Because he's got to have felt for her a little bit yeah. too. You and yeah. you do get the sense, though he's so terrified. It's not the same as like when Rick sees her. There's such anger and such yeah. de- resentment and and stuff going on. When Sam sees her, it's oh, Rick's not going to be happy about this at all. <laughs> but he, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't resent her. No. And there's a real love there. And they play that too. I think that that's excellent. Yeah. The flashback scene to them, like having a toast around the piano, just the three of them is also a really beautiful kind of show of the three of their relationships. So Mm -hmm. yeah, he would have had that feeling towards her too. Yeah. Like, oh, sadness rather than the anger. Yeah. Beautiful. The one thing, the flashbacks with, with with uh humphrey bogart i i think that i love humphrey bogart i've named my podcast after him i i think he's an excellent actor i don't think he plays joy naturally no i think like in the car with his arm around her and it's very like it's very stiff and and we are happy everything that he does that makes him cool in every other scene in every other movie is completely (laughs) gone like undone the cherry blossoms (laughs) and the convertible It's very unnatural for him, but you need that. You need that to be able to feel the what what comes after, right? Totally, <laughs> totally. Oh God! I loved uh, um, as the as the the main German there, uh, uh, Conrad Veit is the is the actor. The guy that gets shot at the end. Yeah, the guy yeah. that shot at Krause? the end. Krause? Yeah, Krause. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He uh, Conrad Veit is the the man who laughs was hit one of his big hits, which was what the uh, Bill Finger and um uh, uh was the guy the guys who did Batman they created the Joker based okay. on this movie. No way! He has a frozen smile on. Cool. And he ha- came over to uh, uh the U.S. Uh, to escape uh, Nazi Germany because his wife was Jewish. Whoa. And so he came and he learned English and he uh, became a performer an and actor. got in all these movies and played the like the the arch Nazi in so many movies because he was like he said like so if German. I can make them look uh awful and make them look really evil and and terrible then I'll have done I'll have part done of my, my job. Part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, as a good German. Oh. Wow. Oh Isn't that God. crazy? Yeah. Yeah. I love him. And Claude Rains is the captain. He's so funny. So good. Also disgusting. There's a, <laughs> there's there's one scene I think that you if you were to do an update today, it's a it's a hard swallow to be like I think this is the start of a beautiful friendship because he, <laughs> he you ruined uh of me getting to sleep with this underage girl who is trying to get away and <laughs> 
Rick's like, all right, well, the next one. Oh, well, the next one. Yeah. (laughs) We'll make it happen next time, buddy. (laughs) But his performance of him, he's so charming and so corrupt and so just like Mm -hmm. should be really really hated but you, you have a hard time hating him in, in much the true. same way that Rick you, does. you kind of don't know which way it's gonna go with him right, right up until the end which yeah. is an interesting also an interesting layer to it is that like you can't really tell who to trust there was one line at the beginning um the guy that gets taken away yeah and he says uh, be- because something like because you despise me that that's why i trust you the most yeah and so it's also like that that captain has that duality that you really really kind of plays off of that feeling that must have been happening in Casablanca like don't know who I can trust to help me to get out, out of here yeah brutal you have mad like to just to be living in that constantly yeah. not knowing who you can trust and at any point if you're trying to do good mm-hmm. anyone could turn you in at mm-hmm. any moment like that's yep. and you could think things are going your way too yeah and like but not really be sure yeah they had to um so the the uh murray bennett and joan allison wrote the play uh but it was never produced they uh they grabbed it before they could produce it as a play and turn it into this movie and the censors have to come in and say yo because they they change Elsa's uh, um, relationships and and what happens a bit because in the play it's explicit that her and Rick sleep together okay in the movie it's only implied which you know whatever yeah but it's also uh, uh, she's that uh, she says she's already living with this uh, other American so it's that she was with him already and he wasn't just missing and thought okay, dead okay. and she was so playing them was... both in Paris okay, and then decides to go with him. But the, yeah, the censors of the time so the censors be... said no dice. No, no, no. So you have to make her, completely. first of all, you have to make her married to Laszlo and we yeah. need him and her. And widowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so in Paris, then it's actually Rick who finds out about the uh, laszlo in paris and he leaves her leaves oh which is i think a a very different very different yeah and changes then the entrance of those characters yeah wow oh yeah because then he would know about him that's right yeah oh no that is so interesting yeah i think i like the movie better yeah yeah, I think it allows me to to like him more because I think it comes from a, a place of like unknowing hurt that like he really doesn't understand. Sure. And and has then taken on all this anger and rage because of like true bewilderment and hurt. Yeah, I guess that's true. And then he has, I guess, a, a further way to go because he's coming from this place of innocence and light and joy yeah. and then becomes the cynical person rather than yeah already being in that in that place right off and the just bat. running away from yeah, it. yeah 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 that's true it's fantastic um and characters people are so interesting they really and there's are. so many i think that's that's probably partly why people love 
really great movies like this one because you can have so many thoughts about all of these characters and very little is told to us about what happened before and after yeah it's not very didactic it sort of lets you infer a lot about people's motivations which was a a staple then later on of of film noir cinema like the idea of not knowing exactly what your protagonist is thinking not Mm -hmm. knowing what his mm-hmm. moral uh, uh, compass was or or what her uh, 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 motivations were, what her relationship truly was, having her... Like what's going through her head when she's just sitting there listening to the song yeah. and you see nothing, but you know how much is going on in her head. Yeah. It was so minimal and beautiful and allowing the audience to interpret so much. Uh, oh, it's genius. Which is so crazy because at the time, like, there's a lot talked about of everyone on this movie other than the director was trying to bail. Like, they hated it. They thought it was, like, the just like a, a movie of the week. Oh, this is, the dialogue isn't good and nothing's good about it. I want to make art and, and now yeah. I have to make these, like little film noir romance movies or whatever. Yeah, I read something because I was watching it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah. They have those kind of like little trivia bits that pop up. So I started screenshotting some of them so that I could grab them (laughs) afterwards. And one of them talked about how the two of them, um, Ingrid Bergman and Humphrey Bogart, were were both like that about the dialogue, saying how like, oh God, it's so schmaltzy and so cheesy. Like nobody's going to ever love this. (laughs) Cut to, I know, half the script before seeing the movie once. Yeah. (laughs) Although it surprised me also how many other gems there are that aren't even that famous. Yeah. The one I I, I don't stick my neck out for nobody. Oh, that's a really uh, good foreign policy. (laughs) (laughs) That was fantastic. There's something as simple as like... The last time, the last day they saw each other, and, and he says, "I remember the day exactly. The Germans wore gray, and you wore blue." Oh, like, oh, it's so good. It's so coolly set, like just off the cuff, and yeah. And he knew exactly; like it was just a beautiful way to bring her exactly back to that moment. Yeah. Like, zing. <laughs> so, the, uh, Murray Burnett and Joan Allison write the play. Julius J. Epstein and Philip G. Epstein are twins who write the script. Um, they go off of it for a while and they bring in Howard Cook to try to uh, um, fix the some doctor. of the dialogue scenes between Ingrid Bergman and Humphrey Bogart because they're both oh. complaining about it so much. Okay. And Howard Cook. Uh, uh, does the work but then says uh you know what maybe don't credit me for this because i don't really want and they're like fair enough don't worry how well this is gonna go so then it wins the academy award for best screenplay and he is out of it which really sucks poor howard yeah (laughs) hopefully you got at least good royalties yeah absolutely So Michael Curtis is the director. He, uh, one of my other favorite old movies from around this time in 1938 is The Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn. Okay. Which he directs. And that movie is so bright and family and warm. And the colors are like, like really big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so Polar opposite. In tone. Yeah, complete opposite thing of Casablanca, which I am always really interested when directors work, you can see them taking on completely different 
mm-hmm. uh, identities as, as I, the leaders. Do you know how it came about that he did Robin Hood like right after or? Oh, he did right before. Also, he, so oh, right before. He, okay. So that had been a big success. It did gangbusters mm. at the box office. Errol Flynn's a huge star. So when things like we're going to do a Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman joint comes around, they come to him to be like, well, we, this is another like big thing that we need you to do with very little budget, which is what he was able to do with Robin Hood. So interesting. And so he pulled together in black and white, which was also a different choice to go back to black and white. Absolutely. Huh? Yeah. I mean, as artists and, and with time in directing, I think also the projects that come up that, that you don't expect to come up and then you have to make a totally different choice to go, okay, well, if this is outside my wheelhouse or, or what I'm used to, yeah. how do I make this my own and how do I approach it with a sense of comfort for myself? Mm-hmm. So I wonder what about that was either more interesting a direction for him to go, like mm-hmm. why black and white? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like the idea of, of trying to, as a, as a director, wanting to come into the project and build out from the center, like rather than mm-hmm. take this thing and how do I make this a Michael Curtis movie? Totally. Like I'll just make it look bright and, and just like what we did on Robin Hood, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the, this something about the spirit of the adventures of Robin Hood meant that it needs to be like this. So whether he likes black and white or color better, there's something that is serving the story and serving this particular thing that he wants to do. Yeah. And the space and the budget and like all of those things all together come together for that kind of, yeah, vision and approach. It's very cool. It's a very cool movie, man. (laughs) Very, very beautiful. So did you, did you, uh, did you, the one thing that I'll get, uh, I was going to ask it as a question, but it would be too, way too leading. So my opinion, I think that this movie, uh, because the dialogue is so uh, cynical and and um, kind of, uh, uh, it, it doesn't have the same, like, glean that other older movies of its time have. There's There's very little hope mm-hmm. in this movie, I think. And I think that that makes the dialogue really timeless like this script doesn't feel like oh and then they talk like they used to back in the day like it really feels like you could produce this tomorrow and it would be like a wow yeah yeah the dialogue really does translate and it feels because it's minimal Mm -hmm. and not overly flowery i i think you get I, everything that we've talked about, how things are so much more open to interpretation, the more minimal and the smaller that you can be. Yeah. Um, like you, as long as your intentions are specific, the universality of things really opens up. Right. So when they can be plain and be chill and be still, it really allows for things to be timeless. Yeah. Yeah such a cool thing not too colloquial or not too yeah of yeah, the time of the time yeah. yeah because it's in service of something it's trying yeah. to every line of dialogue every cut is is trying to move along this story yeah holy cow political love story yes indeed yes indeed you said it's interesting because you said it, it doesn't end 
romantically in the way that you want it to, which would be the happy ending of, of Rick and, and Elsa being able to be together. Mm -hmm. But there is something really romantic about that final gesture uh, on his part. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I think I say that because I had a preconceived notion going in because I knew that Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman did not end up together. Right. I didn't know how they didn't end up together. And right. I kind of just was like, well, I know I'm not going to get the two stars together at the end. So <laughs> let's see how this pans out. <laughs> and yes, it is yeah. still very romantic at yeah. the end. Yeah. And that's really how it's packaged. Like, before I had seen Casablanca, what I knew about it from pop culture was it's this epic love story. So I had thought that it was, like, if not a romantic comedy, just, like, a romantic drama, mm -hmm. which, when I was a young kid, I was like, oh, girl stuff or whatever. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> but to watch it, it's like, I, it is romantic, but it's... It's a not a thriller, but it's a, like a political drama, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's very much not following the I don't know ro romantic comedy structure. No, 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 and it's not typical, like even of that time period, kind of the high society kind of romance or the singing in the rain kind of thing. Sure, um, it's yeah, it does have more of a romantic thriller. Yeah kind of feel to it in its urgency too yeah high high stakes yeah yeah, yeah. and everything's happening so fast yeah. and life and death wow well that's, that's yeah, it definitely felt build like a romantic tragedy to me yeah because it is a tragedy it's it's very sad even though rick is you know still joking around when he leaves and feeling good about the choice that he made it's still it is still tragic that those two couldn't make mm -hmm. it work mm -hmm. and tragic because he's no longer bitter i think if he was still bitter about it at the end uh then he would be a static he, character and it wouldn't totally yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. you wouldn't yeah. get that same uh, he's gone on a journey mm -hmm. yeah oh, that's such a cool thing all right trish well that brings us to the end of our second segment which means it's time for yet another game okay this one is gonna be a lot more fun <laughs> the stakes are very low um this one is a rapid fire round called reefer madness, reefer madness. <laughs> this is where i ask you a bunch of questions and you give me your opinion on stuff sick sound good yeah absolutely all right Question number one, are you a sativa diva, an Indicana Jones, or a hybrid or dibrid? Hybrid or dibrid, baby. Hey, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite movie featuring cannabis? Oh, featuring cannabis. Yeah, that oh, has it in God. the movie. Oh, my goodness. This is a terrible rapid fire for me because I can't even think of one that's in my... Uh, I got to pass. That's fine. That's fine. Oh my God. Come back to it. I'll come back to it. You know what I should have? I should have like a list to give people because everyone does that. Everyone's like, oh, I can't uh, off the top I of my head. I can't think of. <laughs> it's like Cheech and Chong, Days of Confused, Pineapple Express. What have we had? I've never finished Pineapple Express, so it can't be that one. Oh no. Fair enough. No, isn't that terrible? <laughs> um, probably Dazed and Confused. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a big one. People tend to, to go out. Yeah, that that's one. like high school. Yeah. When yeah, I yeah. thought uh, weed was still like mysterious and too cool for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's, 
Only the McConaughey's of the world are smoking this shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Number three, fictional or real person you'd most want to smoke with? Barack. That's a great answer. <laughs> oh, man, that would be We awesome. share a birthday, so my hey. dream would be sharing a birthday joint with Barack. Oh, That's that would be like, so cool. Yeah. yeah, like a Tux and Tails party. You step out <sighs> onto the balcony and be like, yeah. hey, man, on you the want to balcony of my cottage, though. Like, he's got hey, there you in go. Brunswick, hang out with the Canadians, sure. smoke a dube on my porch. Sweater Obama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. White, white sneakers dad Obama. Yeah. Bad folks. Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be a brain to pick, all right. <laughs> Fictional or real place you'd most want to smoke? My balcony in San Francisco. Oh. It was my favorite place in the world to smoke weed. What was so was, great about it? Well, I lived in the Presidio, which is a national national park within San Francisco. So mm -hmm. I was really, really close, like less than two kilometers from the, the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm -hmm. And I could hear the waves of the ocean and I was surrounded by cypress and eucalyptus trees in my apartment. So we had this little porch out back that was kind of a communal porch. And I was the only one that ever used it. And I was out there all the time, day, night, sunsets, coyotes in the dark, Whoa. everything. I loved sitting and listening to music and smoking weed there. That's beautiful. That's idyllic. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's the dream. If you ever go to San Francisco, I'll tell you the address and Excellent. I'll tell you exactly where that porch is. <laughs> Excuse me, miss. I'd just love to smoke a bit of weed on your porch. Is that all right? <laughs> just a spot of weed in this Adirondack chair, please, ma'am. <laughs> uh, number five, movie that would be most improved if only the characters were smoking cannabis. Oof. Probably something really uptight. Uh, maybe like something. I'd love to see Jane Fonda smoking some more weed. So maybe like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah uh, one of her earlier movies. God, my brain is fried right now. I can't yeah, even think. I'm trying to think of Jane. I'm going on IMDb right now. Jane Fonda's old movies. Right. I did. I watched. Uh, did you watch Grace and Frankie? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I loved all that stuff out there, man. <laughs> She's so good. Oh, my God. A doll's house. <laughs> there we go. There Jane Fonda in a doll's house. If we Nora just got to have a couple of spliffs, oh, she might have I been able to. <laughs> <laughs> I would need more weed to get through a doll's house. <laughs> Or less. That might be one of the ones. Yeah. If, you, if you take too many edibles, you start watching Doll's House, so you find yourself real. real or I'd caught. be super focused, like I was at the beginning. There you of go. Just going. Oh my god! Pay attention. This is gonna. How are gonna you gonna pay Krogstad? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and last one. Can you make the sound of your favorite consumption method? You heard it here heard for oh you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're gonna find out if we pass or puff on Casablanca. Stay tuned. And now it's the final time for that segment called What Does My Mom Think? Where I ask my mom Joan Williston what she thinks about all this shit. So how are you doing today? Oh, well, I feel a lot better since my haircut. I got... Your haircut looks about, so great. About six inches taken off. 
the oh, back, the yeah. top, the side, because I hate the um, the glasses, the mask, and the hair are all vying for position behind my ears, mm-hmm. and it just like uh, I just have my glasses adjusted to the gal. I said uh, oh, I took I I hold my mask like this, and mm-hmm. I take it off. And she said, oh, yeah, now I can see where it's red. So sure. then I put it back on, and then I hold this side, and then I take this. Okay, check this side, and then put it back on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oops, I lost um, there. I imagine it's a lot cooler, too. Yes, it is, yeah. And, yeah. and then uh, because I wear the visor every time I step out of the door, um, sure. The visor makes a big dent here when my hair is long, and then it looks crappy when you take the visor off. Sure. So now I can just put it on; it stays flat. It's really short, right up to here, yeah. a little bit longer on top. But oh yeah, feels so much cooler. So I did that, and then from there I drove to Superstore Optical where I got my glasses adjusted. <clears throat> and then while I was there, I thought, well, I might as well get the few groceries that we need because we're providing a supper tomorrow night for uh, Marina Blair and the kids when they get back from boating God, and that uh, there was a big lineup. And uh, so I thought I got home later than I expected. And I was so mm-hmm. hungry. So I, I got to eat something before one o'clock. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, so what'd you have? Uh, my homemade soup and some crackers and Havarti cheese. Nice. Havarti. Yeah. Havarti, yeah, we got some. We usually get old cheddar, but this, huh, I said, we got Havarti, and we got another um, malt uh, with all kinds of um, colored specks of things in it, peppers, and um, in a. I don't know if it's Havarti or if it's uh, another one. And Dad really likes it, and I thought, oh wow, he's eating this cheese with all these different colors in them. <laughs> <laughs> Getting some spice in his life. Mm-hmm. As if I'm not spicy enough, eh? Well, no one would accuse you of being without spice, my mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, uh, this is this is the final episode of the uh, of the first season, mom. Oh boy. Yeah, so we've we've come a lot. We've been doing this you and I together for the last six months. Wow, Which is pretty incredible! Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. whole bunch of people listening, whole bunch of people uh, checking it out and getting some some uh, uh, movie recommendations from the stuff that we've been that I've been programming with it. Uh, but I thought for this one, instead of playing the same the same old games that we that we usually do, I thought I might ask you uh, for some. Um, recommendations. We talk a lot about the movies that I like. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe we could talk about some of your favorite movies. Oh boy! So that means I have to remember them, hey? Well, I can help you with that. Oh no! I, well, we've been. Uh, yeah. Okay. If you can help me with that, sure. Because um, there, there's a list of things that movies that we've watched. And, oh, these are all uh, season things at Netflix. Where is that like TV other and one? Stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I had a piece of paper and I thought, oh, yeah, these are the ones we, what? Oh, I think it was a yellow piece of paper. Oh, we just finished watching Fatherhood last night. Fatherhood with uh, Steve Martin? Um, No, it's a black man whose wife dies in childbirth or just after childbirth. Oh, yeah, that's a new one on Netflix, yes. right? Yes, it is. 
Yeah. Oh, shoot. I, I haven't seen it yet. Is it uh, Kevin Hart, right? Yes, Kevin Hart. That's it. That's it. Yep. Did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Oh, very much. Yes. Yeah. Um, single dad uh, raises his daughter. And, you know, people yeah. think the two sets of grandparents don't think that. Um, uh, oh, Judy from Judy. Judy Garland. Uh, that yeah, was, that's that was the Renee Zellweger. Song. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was a great one, too. You um, enjoyed that one? Yeah. Um, Penguin. Penguin. Bloom. Penguin. Penguin Bloom. Oh, it's a movie, but it's Netflix. Penguin, Penguin Bloom. Penguin Bloom. Naomi Watts. Andrew Lincoln. Yes. A, a, a family takes fan. in an injured magpie that yes. makes a profound difference in their lives. Yes. Yeah. Powerful. That one was good. Yep. And uh, I've got Palms, but I don't remember. Oh, yes. Palms. When the older women who used to be cheerleaders uh, get together and then they compete against the young cheerleaders. And while at first everybody is laughing at them, they end up bringing harmony and uh, camaraderie and uh, uh, integrity to the whole group. So again, that, that sounds was, lovely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Are there any movies that that you remember from your past that you like revisiting? Oh, <clears throat> yes. Like, are uh, there any fi- favorite movies of yours? Yes, Fiddler on the Roof. Oh uh, sure. Y- Yentl. Yeah. Uh, okay. What, I, I hardly ever watch. Well, I've been watching more movies during COVID than I have in my entire life. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> What else so, is there to do? You're stuck inside, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So has Fiddler come out? Have you guys watched Fiddler this year? Uh, not this year. No. Or, or did no? I don't think not this year. Uh, yeah. Wait. I was just talking about Fiddler, actually, uh, uh, a couple of days ago. I was at work, and uh, we were talking about musicals. Um, and we were talking about the the prologue to that uh, show, like the fir- the opening number tradition, how much groundwork it lays for the whole plot. Like, you, you get introduced to every single character. You sort of get the... You, you get the what the conflict is going to be about between the uh the patriarch and the 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 children and what's going to come between his his daughters and the new lives and tevia and what he stands for mm-hmm. it's just a, and uh, on top of that being an amazing song like to, yeah. to hear everyone's like tradition tradition it's so powerful mm-hmm. it's a cool mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. do you have a favorite song from fiddler on the roof oh uh, sunrise sunset Ah, yes. That's, yeah. Oh, because I can still see Dad, hear Dad singing it at your and Marina's graduation. You graduated from grade 12 and Marina from uh, first year uh, from university. And uh, you were both there and we're at a table and he's singing that. Oh, just there wasn't a dry eye in the whole auditorium. No. Just a cappella and in the silence yes. and yes. and not yeah. rushed. Just yeah. really, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a really powerful moment. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I uh, when I got to play Tevya on stage uh, at St. Lawrence College in Brockville. Mm-hmm. I uh, uh, when I got to sing that song. That's that's absolutely what I was thinking of because I don't have children of my own. So to try to think about what that must be like, mm-hmm. I, I thought a lot about you and Dad watching us grow up and 
cross thresholds and mm-hmm. move on to other other adventures. Mm-hmm. Yes, Daniel, you taught us a lot. <laughs> How about any other movie? What any movies from your childhood that you you think of? Like, uh, oh, at Christmas time we always watch. Um, uh, oh. White Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's one. Yeah, White Christmas. I'm, I'm I'm thinking of the guy where the bank closes. It's down. a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life, Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Stewart. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those those two are favorite ones too. Uh, hmm. Uh, childhood. Yeah. We had a TV, but we didn't have a means of watching movies. Like no. there was no VHS. Was no. Theater and stuff was, anyways, yeah, yeah. 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 And seven kids. Uh, how many times do you think my parents took us to a movie theater? Yeah. Probably not a lot. I, no, I was a teenager with my own spending money before I ever got into a theater. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the first VHS player that it probably would have been you and dad got? Uh-huh. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't nope. remember. No, it was well. You kids were little, so it was Sharon, Lois, and Bram Elephant <laughs> Show, uh, and <clears throat> singing with you and dancing around in the living room. And yeah, hmm. I remember going to rent movies while we were living in Marquis, and going, and they had uh, at the store. There was one store that had all your groceries, all your everything. There's there's a post office. What was it? There was three things. There was a post office. There was a store, and there was a bank. There was a th- a bank. That's right. Yeah, credit union. Those credit union. Credit union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember renting movies from that store and bringing them home and <laughs> popping them in the VHS player, watching them right. as a family. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We go down, uh, walk down uh, to Main Street. For three M's, uh-huh. um, milk, mail, and what was the third thing? M. Movies. Movies. Maybe that was it. <laughs> Movies for Daniel and Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, money, money. The money. Bank. Sure, credit union. Yeah, yeah. Credit union. So milk, <laughs> mail, and money. Those were the three <laughs> things we could go downtown for. <laughs> <laughs> and if we had enough money left over from milk, we could get a movie. <laughs> Right. <laughs> or, or save your weekly allowance. There you go. Mm-hmm. Was there, uh, Can you think of any um, any memories of of all of us watching movies together as a family? What movie that might have been? Oh gosh, what movie it would have been? No, I just remember cuddling up on the couch with a blanket on. If it was cool in the evening and popcorn bowls in front of us. <laughs> Would you come with us to the the video store? To like choose we went one? To, oh, yeah, oh. to go to like Blockbuster and Moose Jaw or Rogers Video or anything to pick out a movie? Uh, when you were younger, yes, but I usually sent dad because yeah. he was the one. But then I discovered that that's a dangerous thing because he buys you movies that are not appropriate. And I'm assuming, well, he's going to have read the the um, warnings and uh, searched out the um, movie to see if it was appropriate for your age. The ratings, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and no. I, I was trusting that that was something he could do while I handled a whole lot of other things. But... Um, 
I see that that wasn't a wise thing for me to do. <laughs> Not always, no, no. Dad has a, yeah, it, like normally he would check it out. But even then it was like, there would be some times where it was like, well, dad, this James Bond movie is PG. And he'd be like, yeah, but I know all about James Bond and you kids aren't going to watch that. But here's uh, Big City Blues. It's got Burt Reynolds in it. Burt Reynolds is great. And that movie was just... <laughs> horrific in, in terms of the content that was in it it was a oh. very very hard r restricted oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember like going down and like renting out a movie I I remember there would be like three th uh, three movies for seven days for 7.99 or whatever and so me and Bobby would each get to pick out one and then we'd pick one that we'd watch as a family and coming home and making popcorn and all going into the living room with the surround sound and sitting down and watching it as a family. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I remember those days well. Those were good days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if we... Uh, um, cannabis um, it, uh, gets separated into... Uh, this is an oversimplification, but just for understanding sake and education's sake. Cannabis strains tend to get separated into two categories. One is sativa, which is like a, um, an energetic, uh, like get something done, want to go on the road, kind of like you are naturally, I feel when I smoke a sativa strain. Oh, okay. Um, and an indica, uh, you remember because it's called, uh, it's indicouch. So it's oh. got a couch lock to it. It's really like relaxing and you want to sit down and kind of uh, enjoy the night and kind of go off to sleep. Oh, okay. Um, so if we were to do a Jones pick for a sativa and a Jones pick for an indica, what movie would you suggest for people who want uh, um, an exciting up kind of uh, kind of experience? And what movie would you suggest if they want to relax? Oh boy. <clears throat> Daniel, you're asking me hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured I, this was going to be a better, it was going to go better this way than asking you for uh, strain recommendations. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of uh, other other movies that you... So an action, exciting... Uh, yeah, adventure or thriller or hmm. something thrilling. <laughs> oh, you know, names don't come to me, and I don't. I, that's something you would have had to tell me ahead of time, and I would have oh, okay. uh, well, looked I'm up sorry. some some uh, uh, ones. Looked in our supply and say, "Oh yeah, I remember this. I remember this." But Dad's in the room right now, uh, checking his eyelids for cracks. Um, sure, in, where all our videos are where all the videos are <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh fair enough so, hmm. what uh um uh, relaxing movie. well okay uh uh fiddler would probably be more of uh oh this is okay we could go this way how about uh, uh for fiddler yentl and it's a wonderful life Let's mm -hmm. tell people what they should smoke to be able to enjoy those three movies the best. <laughs> so if you're sitting down to Fiddler, do you want to be like 
feel energetic and wanting to go or do you want to be relaxed and just allow it to happen to you? Oh, relaxed and allow it to speak to you. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. So Fiddler on the Roof, uh, we're going to suggest an Indica for that. Um, how about Yentl? You want it relaxed or energetic? Relaxed. Relaxed? Got it. All right. So that's an Indica as well. And for It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, you don't want to be fired up. You want to, when I sit down to watch a movie, it's because I want to kick back, relax, and just allow what I'm seeing and hearing to experience and process it and apply it if if I want to. So that's true. Uh, do I want to get all fired up with a movie? Probably oh. not. No. No, if if you came into the store and you and I sort of knew what you were like, because I've watched movies with you before, and I think you you do have trouble like just sitting down and enjoying a movie. You, you're always thinking about there's there's stuff that needs to get done. There's some dishes over there that the the, uh, uh, the washing machine just stopped, so I better open it up so that they let the steam out. Or I've I've got something dessert gets being made on the counter, so I'll just hop up and I'll just give that a quick stir, and then I'll come back and sit down. And it'll be fine. So I think. Probably if you came into the store and you were like, look, I really want to sit down and enjoy Fiddler on the Roof, but it's a three and a half hour movie, right? So I need something to help. I would suggest to you uh, 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 an Intica, which uh, for this episode, um, we got to try some gummies from Bogart's Kitchen. And the Intica uh, gummy was a peach mango. Mm. Which is a great tasting one. Mango uh, tends to have a, 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 a taste that complements the taste of the plant. Oh, okay. So be, you you make the oil. You know, yeah, you've had CBD oil before, right? Yes. You yeah. know how it tastes. Like you yeah. can taste a little yes. bit of the, the yeah. bitterness, the earthy kind of gardeny kind of taste to it. Mm-hmm. Peach goes really well with that. Complements mm-hmm. it rather than just tries to mask it up with sugar. Uh, so okay. Uh, so yeah, I think I think probably an indica would be a, a good way for you to go. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> oh, I know another movie I always enjoyed is uh, uh, Robin Williams' uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Or, Doubtfire. Or, or any anything Robin Williams did. Oh um, yeah. Goodwill Hunting. Uh huh. Uh, what else did he do? A- anything I've seen him in, he's always yeah. creative and funny and. And yet Gosh, serious yeah. and, and a good message and point to it, too. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, he was such an anomaly, right? Yeah. Because his his comedic mind was so fast and he was all he uh, like spent a lot of his time making people on set laugh and, and, and that. But he also went to Juilliard as a as an actor. Oh. And you know who he went to school with uh, in Juilliard was Christopher Reeve. Oh wow! They huh. were good friends all oh the way, uh, all, all the way, yeah, yeah, mm. through through their lives because hmm. they they went to Juilliard together to be an actor, and so Robin Williams' interest in in the other thing was always really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Goodwill mm-hmm. Hunting, he's he uh, he's funny in it, but it's not a it's not a comedy. He's right, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think if you were watching, uh, I think if you're watching Mrs. Doubtfire, a sativa might be actually kind of fun because it's a comedy because it's <laughs> yeah. laugh a minute. And, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, uh, Jones picks Mrs. Doubtfire, Fiddler on the Roof, 
Yentl, and at Christmas time, it's a wonderful life. <laughs> I think that's a pretty great collection, Bob. <laughs> I, I, I want to watch a movie that you're starring in. That's what I'm waiting for. I'll tell you, I'm waiting for it too. <laughs> when it happens, we'll pick out a strain and we'll 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 sit down and watch it together. How about that? Daniel, I don't have to have a strain. I just want to see you in all your glory, singing, <laughs> acting, dancing, and doing whatever your creative juices and spirit lead you to do. Oh, that's very sweet, Mom. That's very sweet. <laughs> well, I, I, after doing this podcast uh, uh, on a on a on a scale of one to ten, at the beginning of the uh, of this journey, uh, how willing were you to uh, uh, try cannabis? Do you think one being not never going to try it at all, and ten being absolutely let's do it tomorrow? Okay, um, one. <laughs> Great. And uh, now at the end of the process, having done uh, this many podcasts together about cannabis and having a, a son who's working in the cannabis uh, industry, uh, would you say that that number has changed at all? No. <laughs> Did you expect me to say, no, I, I'm just not interested. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I find life uh, in its fullness right now uh, brings uh, lots of variety and various experiences that I want to be engaged in, aware of, uh, respond to. And I don't want to, like I know the effect, having tried CBD, if I take too mm -hmm. much, I don't mm -hmm. like the feel of being lightheaded and you know, not being feeling in full control. Well, it's just like yeah. when I'm drinking wine, I'll have two glasses and then, okay, that's enough. I feel relaxed. I feel comfortable. I can still function. And I don't want any more. I'll, I'll switch to water after that because life is a gift and I want to enjoy it in its original form. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, along with wine, that's the, that, uh, that is an interesting uh, misconception, I think, about cannabis that you... Um, that when you're using it, you're using it specifically to get completely uh, confused and 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 high and out of your mind and and whatever. Uh, and I do think that alcohol gets used in a way in our society right now, where if you were drinking enough to get you really drunk every time, you would feel that way. But you, there is an amount that you can have that's just a little bit of a relaxation mm. that just lets you still be present and mm. and uh, 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 aware of what's going on around you. And I think that the CBD oil that you've tried uh, probably has uh, a little bit of those properties. If you have the right amount, that's what it's it's yeah. about finding that the amount that works for you and your system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and I don't use it as, uh, recreationally. I use it right. medicinally for pain control. So, yeah. I, I, my purpose in using it is different and very different. Yeah, and, and I'm not um, inclined to explore uh, w with uh, other reasons for using it. Because well, that's I, fair. Yeah. Would you watch a movie with me though if I came down and visited oh, you? Yeah, I sure would. Yes. <laughs> 
And I'd, I'd sure. let you pick it out. I wouldn't let Dad pick it out. <laughs> yeah, don't let Dad pick it out. He'd, he'd pick something inappropriate. We, <laughs> I know how to read a rating system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Mom, can you tell my listeners thanks so much for tuning in? Thanks so much for joining us this evening or afternoon or morning whenever you're listening to it and i hope you have a great day <laughs> i love you mom i love you too Dad. all right we're back trish this is uh this is puffer pass time so do you puffer pass on casablanca puffer pass Puff, for sure yeah yeah. It's fantastic, right? Yeah, it's beautiful. I'll probably watch it again in my rental period of 48 hours. That's right. I've got another 48 hours on mine, yeah. too. Yeah, I loved it, and I, I want to experience it again, especially the beginning again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Catch all those. Honestly, when you when you no longer have the tension of uh, both what's going on and how is this going to turn mm-hmm. out, but also like, oh, that cultural touchstone and that cultural mm-hmm. touchstone. Like, I, I think that the second time I saw Casablanca, I got a lot more out of it and was able to appreciate a lot more of the the, the beauty and the solidness of the, the bones in it, because it really does have a structure. Like, maybe impressive. you can tell me what the German papers actually are. <laughs> so this is interesting, too. So the, uh, what they call them is letters of transit. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, uh, the writer of the play... Um, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Joan Allison came up with this idea that they need letters of transit to be able to leave Morocco to be able to go to either Germany or America. Okay. So you cannot leave the uh, leave Morocco without having these letters of transit. That is not um, not a thing. Okay. In, in the time that that happened, it was something she made up that she was like, I wrote it into the Here's play a device. <laughs> as a device that I assumed someone would be like, well, this isn't a thing. So we have to come up with it, what it actually is. And no one questioned it. So Crazy. she just like, I just stayed in until the final Just draft. slipped that one by. <laughs> okay. Interesting. All right. But that's what I think is so brilliant about this, this story too, is that the, the MacGuffins truly don't matter. Like, do you, yeah. have, have you heard the yeah. term? You've heard the term MacGuffin, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just for anybody else, MacGuffin is, uh, was used by uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock as a way of describing whatever helps you get the plot going in your story. Um, and he talked about the the best kind of MacGuffin is the one that all of the plot hinges on, but that five minutes when you walk out of the theater, you can't really describe what the MacGuffin is or what it did or what it what the idea of what it was. The Maltese Falcon is is a great example of it as well because the Maltese Falcon itself is is the it's a MacGuffin. No one understands what is so important about it except that everyone in this story wants it. Okay. So this, okay. the letters of transit are that because what are they really? But everybody needs them, and so that's what brings your characters into conflict with one another. And I okay. Think. I assumed I had missed it somewhere in my five minutes. No, of no, no. High. No. Okay. They, it's like a Christopher Nolan plot device. You just sort of sweep yeah. it under the rug and then yeah. get through it real quickly so that no one asks any questions. Totally. Or the gold suitcase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gold suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> Are we happy? We happy. <laughs>
How amazing. It, so, okay, so it's a puff on this movie. Now, people are enjoying, let's say they, they've, it, it's, it's Ontario some months in the future. Bogart's Kitchen is now available on the OCS and anywhere mm-hmm. you get your uh, uh, cannabis retail stuff. Uh, people have popped some edibles. They're watching Casablanca. But now, Trish, they want to, the, the night isn't over. They started it too early. They want a little something for a double feature. What is the movie that you pair with this movie? Um, ooh, you know what? If I wanted to stay in the same kind of, um, era, mm-hmm. or if I wanted to kind of move outside the era. Uh, both. But both? I now mean, you've given me options. I know. <laughs> well, it could be cool to go with something lighter mm-hmm. within the, within the same, same era. So maybe something like a high society, um, would be an interesting kind of different leading man to explore. Sure. If I was going to go for something modern after Casablanca, maybe another political love story that is non-traditional, maybe something like V for Vendetta. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. That's very fun. Kind of non-traditional, but very like but very... discovering and of like past stories and backstories. And, sure, sure. Yeah. And really, really strong female lead in that too. Yeah. Like, oh man, totally. that's fantastic. Who's also not afraid of stillness. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. My, uh, I, I've already talked about it because I, I love the movie from when I was a kid. But uh, uh, having a Michael Curtis uh, uh, double feature with The Adventures of Robin Hood cool. really lightens up the mood after a cool. Casablanca and uh, allows you to see what he does with someone who's. Uh, I think maybe the complete opposite of Humphrey Bogart, Errol Flynn. Right. Like no com- kidding. very physical, always moving around, energy, 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 and smile, smile, laughing his head off. What a different energy to be working with. Very different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to come down to Bogart's level and be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about if, if you were going modern? If I was going modern, something along the lines of Casablanca. Um you know what i would i there's something I, okay so th- this might be this might be crazy but i would watch casablanca and then if you wanted to watch a modern movie that sort of captured the same feel of that um watching a a, a character really go through a journey it's not a romance but there's a black and white version of logan which was the last oh uh, yeah movie. yeah and because what he uh, uh uh the director is trying to do with that movie is make it into a, a western there is something yeah. really like the loner who is is uh uh has no interest in in the fight anymore who is uh, cool. uh struggling to reclaim his humanity through his relationship with his father professor x and his daughter the the x22 clone or x23 clone so cool. i think if you wanted to do that you could keep it in the black and white you could keep it the same uh yep. monochromatic uh, uh spectrum but also have and disillusioned protagonist yeah yeah, yeah. cool but very cool Fun fact about that movie, I was supposed to see a screening of that movie when I was in L.A. with Sage, and I ended up having to do group interviews that took me past the screening time, and I did not get to see it. 
Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I didn't know it was going to be that movie at the time, but my friend sure. who went was like, it was Logan. It was Logan. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> oh, have you, you've seen it since? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so great. It's so good. I'm a, I'm a big superhero movie fan. and uh, I liked watching Logan a lot more than I liked watching the Snyder Cut. I'll tell you that much. I haven't seen it. It's don't. It's okay. four hours long. It's just watch oh, Casablanca okay. a couple of times. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Trish. Well, thank you so much for being on the program. This was so, so much, much fun. Thanks for having me. This was delightful. Where can people find you and uh, uh, Bogart's Kitchen? You can find um, all of our brands at, if you follow at on Sunday market, O-N Sunday market, then you can find out about all of the brands that are launching within Ontario and other provinces. And like, if you want to hang out with me, I'm just at Trish Lack. Love it. Uh, thanks for being <laughs> on the program. Buddy. Thanks so much. <laughs> Buds, that's it. That's the last episode of this season. Oh, I'm so... I'm so blessed. I'm very blessed to have all of you listening uh, uh, so far to all these episodes. It's It's been a really crazy run, and I'm, I'm super excited for what we have planned for season two. Uh, but I'm equally proud and taking a moment to look back on, on uh, all the different people that we've had on in this first season and all the different strains that we've tried and all the different movies we've watched. It really uh, brings this last six months into focus for me in a way. It's something that uh, that we've built together. Because without you, I don't have a I don't really have a show. I could make this all I want, but without you listening, uh, there's not there's not much I could do. Without you talking to your friends about it, without you sharing it around with your your peeps, um, without uh, uh, people who I know who are in the industry coming on as guests. I don't have a show. So it's it's really, it feels like something that we've uh, we've built together as a community. So we're going to be coming back in season two. But for now, uh, uh, thank you so much. Uh, uh, you can follow Trish Lackey, T-R-I-S-H-L-A-C-K-E-Y, at Trish Lackey on Instagram if you want to hang out with her. You can also follow at On Sunday Market to see all the different stuff that Bogart's Kitchen and Divi Cannabis and all the... Uh, uh, people under the Sunday Market umbrella are going to be coming out with because uh, it's very exciting. I know that these particular edibles are not available yet in Ontario, but they're going to be soon. They're available elsewhere in uh, uh, in Canada already. So uh, it'll be really exciting when you get to try them too because they're great. They're super fun. Um, uh, you can't follow my mom anywhere because she is not online, but... My good friend JJ Thompson, who made all the music that you've listened to all this season. Uh, uh, you can follow him at JJ and his dog on Instagram. He's doing some cool stuff. We're still waiting for his big drop with uh, 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 Tom Hardy, T H O M H A R D Y. You follow that at I am not Tom Hardy to see that. Um, you follow me at Daniel Williston. You can follow at Let's Bogart on both Twitter and Instagram. You can visit us at the website www.danielwilliston.com slash let's-bogart. Send me any uh, information you want in between seasons. If there's a, a particular guest you want to see, a particular strain you want to see, or a particular movie you want to have us do, let us know. We'll put it into rotation. 
I've got some really exciting guests coming up in season two that I'm really excited to share with you. Uh, uh, but for now, uh, we've got a bunch of episodes here that you can go back and listen to. Enjoy some of the, the hits. <laughs> but seriously, thank you so, so much for uh, tuning in. And um, if you can, while we're on break, uh, share this with a friend. Uh, get them to follow at Let's Bogart or uh, get them to listen to a couple episodes or listen to an episode with them. Now that we're all getting vaxxed up and it's safe to hang out. Maybe uh, maybe there's a, a, a film conversation you want to listen to with a friend and, and <laughs> email me and tell me what we got wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, buds. Thanks a lot for, for everything. And I cannot wait until later this fall when we will bogart once more. Well, I think she still loves him, but I think like I think you can love two people and and maybe it it was like a I love this guy so much and I love this guy so if this is the ultimate sacrifice, I can still be happy. <laughs>